Good morning. Would you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4 this morning? We want to, the next couple of weeks, celebrate this Advent season, this period of waiting, anticipation, walking through and remembering uh, the, the gift of Jesus. But then also Advent is about waiting uh, and, and looking ahead to the return of Christ again. And so as we celebrate the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some specific focuses of the miracle. What, what happened when Jesus came? Yes, it's a miracle, but what were the different facets or angles of the miracle? We just want to take one for the next couple of weeks and, and explain it and, and look at it, and hopefully our hearts are enriched by it. So uh, today we're going to look at the miracle of the moment, the timing that Jesus came uh, to take on the form of, of a servant and a, a man in flesh. And so in Galatians chapter 4, we're going to talk about that. Benny this week helped his dad out. He created for me uh, a Christmas countdown calendar. And so thankfully now I can each day cross it off, which gets me one day closer to Christmas. In case you don't know, there are 15 more days till Christmas. And so uh, I'm grateful for my son and for his, his uh, art and, and desire to help his dad celebrate well. And one of the things that uh, I was thinking about as I looked at that is, man, isn't that nice? Like some of you may have an advent calendar or something like that, just a daily reminder of, of what awaits, of the anticipation of, of what is soon to come. And, and I realized, you know, I kind of, it would be nice to have that in other things of life that I'm waiting for. Wouldn't it be nice just to have a, a countdown calendar? I mean, if it only worked that way all the time. I mean, waiting is hard. And let's be real and honest. Every one of us is waiting for something sitting here today. We're waiting, we're longing, there's a desire of our heart that we have not seen fulfilled, that we believe God wants to be fulfilled, and so we've been praying about it, searching. Maybe it's that job, and, and you're just struggling, waiting, and, and desiring to, to see that come to fulfillment. Students, graduation, we're waiting, right? We're longing, it's that, that weekly and daily uh, desire. Maybe it's a spouse, or maybe... Maybe you're going through a health situation and you're waiting for news from a doctor or you're, you're waiting for treatment or, or to see the outcome of treatment. Today, we're waiting for something we would see and desire God to do. And I, I just want to encourage us in this moment that the Christian life is a whole lot of waiting. It's a lot of waiting. If I were to describe my life, uh, it would be this. Wait, 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 wait. Hurry up, you're late. And then wait, wait, wait. Hurry up, wait. These periods of waiting into moments of action, periods of waiting into recognizing and seeing God do amazing things. But waiting has always been an essential part of God's plan because it's oftentimes, I would say it's most of the times in the waiting that God does some of his greatest work in our lives. So as we wait for Christmas morning, as we celebrate that, it's to remind us that in the Christian life, as we wait, there's hope, there's a future, and there's a direction. In Galatians, Paul is addressing the churches at Galatia, and, and there's this, uh, some, some struggle um, with Jews and Gentiles and how they work together, and Paul's calling them to the gospel, the gospel that not just saves them, but then calls them and, and leads them to become more like Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can see the gospel as just the A of Christianity, and then once we get in, we live. But it's not. It's the A to Z. It's the whole thing. 
And and Galatians talks about this. And so as Paul's talking about the beauty of the gospel and what took took place, he he mentions the timing of Jesus coming. Look at verse 4 of chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Paul says, look, in the fullness of time, at the, at the exact right time, the term there literally means when waiting is full, when it cannot happen anymore. In other words, God's timing was perfect when he sent Jesus. God's timing is perfect. He works in perfection when it comes to his timing. So when waiting was full, God sent Jesus. I'm reminded in our, our life, uh, Lily now is three, three years ago, uh, Julie was great with child. Uh, she was fully pregnant and the waiting time was over. And for us, each child came faster than the last. And so we started with eight hours with Don. I think Benny was about six. Uh, Hope was about five or four. And then Lily was just quick. She was fast. But we woke up that day and on my, on my mind was this desire. It, was, it needed to be checked off before I could fully focus on, on my wife and the baby. I needed to mow the lawn. I mean, the lawn was getting, it was getting long. It's my responsibility. I knew I had neglected that. So I woke up that morning and, and the lawn was on my mind. And Julie came to me and said, babe, this is it. We need to go. And in a moment of stupidity, I said, do you think I have time to mow the lawn? I did. I know. It's awful. She said, I don't think so. Get in the car right now. <laughs> and so we did. And we were driving to the hospital. We were about 40 minutes from the hospital. And about 10 minutes till we got there, I thought, this, we, we may have this baby in the car. Thankfully, we got there all was well. But I am so glad I didn't. I didn't uh, mow the lawn. See, in the fullness of time, that baby was not going to wait anymore. The the waiting was full. And that's the picture that Paul gives us here. When we look at the incarnation, Jesus coming, uh, the fullness of time was full. There was no more. All All was ready and ready to be accomplished. It was the fullness of time in history. We look back in the Old Testament and we see God made a covenant with Abraham that through his seed, all nations would be blessed. Abraham lived approximately 2,300 years before Christ was born. Friends, that's a lot of waiting. Waiting for a fulfillment of a promise. And then he, he calls David and he gives David a, a covenant that, that from his line, uh, one would reign uh, or uh, someone from his line would reign forever. And David is a thousand years before Christ. And once again, we see this waiting, this waiting picture, waiting for something, longing for the one who would come. Once we get to the end of the Old Testament, we know there's 400 years between when God was silent before he spoke again in the person of Jesus. 400 years knowing and recognizing one was coming, yet not hearing any more from God, no prophets speaking, no understanding, no new revelation in their life. Historians tell us about the historical time and how it really was pregnant for Christ to come. 
There was a, a disdain for, for the religions of the day. People were realizing this stuff didn't work. There was something more that needed to happen. There were crazy religions popping up in the day. Alexander the Great had come and, and conquered uh, the world at that time and, and then had brought the Greek language. And so there really was a, a very close to a universal language now among people that could understand this message that had come. Rome had come and built wonderful roads and was in the process of roads. And now you could travel with greater ease than you've ever been so that the message could be spread. And in the fullness of this time, God sent Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't early and he wasn't late. It was the exact timing. And right then, the Caesar Augustus gets this crazy idea about a census. And in perfect timing, God works all these things out. Yes, it's the fullness of time in history, but I think what, what Paul's really talking about too is the fullness of time in God's plan of redemption. That we had been born in sin, that we had not met the standard, that we had tried, that the Old Testament, you have the, the law and the desire to, to meet the standard and everyone fails. Look with me at verse 1. Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time had come. Paul's giving an illustration here that the, someone is becoming old enough to receive an inheritance. And until he gets old enough to be handed the keys and the responsibility of full heirship, he's going to be treated much like a slave in the family. In other words, he doesn't have access to the bank account. He doesn't have access to the fullness. He can't sign the papers. Although he's an heir, he still is under uh, the watch care of someone else. And Paul calls the law the watch care. God's standard of obedience, God's standard of perfection was the watch care that, that every one of us have not met the standard of. The law had to show us we could not achieve the requirements. That's the beauty of God's standard in law. When we come to him with our meagerness, we realize in his standard, we can't meet his standard. And the law shows us that and we understand it. We all have failed but it's Jesus that provides and it's faith in Jesus that provides the access of us to come of age, to get out from under that taskmaster, Paul will say, into a, a, an heir, a sonship, full rights as a legal uh, member of the family of God. Now, under grace, through the sacrifice of Jesus, in the fullness of time, in God's plans of redemption, Jesus came. Jesus wasn't early and he wasn't late. Jesus didn't fulfill some of it. Jesus fulfilled all of it. In the fullness of time, he accomplished the task. In the fullness of time, he was born, Paul says, of a woman. What a beautiful picture of the, of the earthiness of this. This was not some ethereal spirit come down. This uh, God incarnate in the flesh went and through the birth canal was born. The flesh, the suffering, the, the preparation of, of birth now taking place with the Son of God, holding him in 
his hand. This, in the fullness of time, he was sent. He was born of a woman. And he was born under the law. As every human is, the standard of perfection of God. Jesus must obey God's law. Jesus meets the standard fully. But notice the purpose why Jesus came in the fullness of time to redeem those under the law because we also who had been, who, who are held to that standard have all fallen short. So this picture of redemption, Jesus buying us, uh, paying the price for us, uh, the full price for us for sin. It's the picture of a, of a slave trader that would be there. We being the slaves, we under the master, the cruel master of the law and sin. And Jesus comes and says, I will pay the full price for that person. Everything that is, that, that is owed of him, his death, I'll pay it in his place. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus came to do. We, not being able to pay that price, Jesus pays it for us, but Paul doesn't stop there. There's two purposes. One, to redeem us, to buy us, but then to re- so that we might receive adoption as sons. Not only that, so get the picture. We've been redeemed. We're, we've been facing death. We're redeemed now, and, and we thank him. He hands us our freedom papers to walk away, and we begin to walk away, and Jesus says, where are you going? That's only half the deal. Sometimes that, when we think of the gospel, we think of it as we're freeing Christ and we, our sins have been forgiven, and that's true. That's half of it. And now Jesus says, no, 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 come, come to my house. You who have been, who've been alienated by sin, you who have been torn from, from the relationship, the intimacy of, of the God who has created you, come back, to, come back to the house. Come and eat. Come and fellowship. Come and experience a sonship in heaven. And ladies, don't be offended by this term. This is not just masculine terminology here. Paul's making a point because he said in the chapter earlier, there's not a man or woman when it comes to relationship with Christ. Because back in those days, in many cultures, women weren't a, a, weren't a, a part of the line to receive the inheritance of their father. And so don't miss what God's doing here, what what Paul's saying, that what God did is to bring us all into a sonship. We all are an heir. We all receive the inheritance of eternal life, those who've placed their faith and trust in him. What a beautiful picture. Not just the auction, but now at the dinner table. Full access to the storehouses of heaven that now we obtain. And in the fullness of time, Jesus accomplished all of it. So it leads us today to think about in his perfect timing, in his perfect completion, what Jesus did, God's timing is perfect. Then it begs the question, what about in areas of my life where I'm still waiting? See, if God's timing is perfect in sending Jesus, can we not also rest in the fact that God's timing in my life is also perfect? Your birth and your death have been appointed by God. It's not an accident that you're here today. It's not an accident that you live in this time, in this place, for the advancement of the kingdom of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, you need to recognize that the timing of that is not an accident. You have heard the voice of the good shepherd and you have said, he is my shepherd, and you've bowed the knee and trusted Christ and given him your life. That's not an accident. Jesus came to live the perfect life 
He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again. He was ascended and now he's coming again. And if any of you today have never placed your faith and trust in him, look at his timing. Look at what he's accomplished. I plead with you, would you bow the knee trust Christ as we've even seen before us this picture of us dead in our trespasses and sin today, now raised to new life and we have celebrated. Once again, the question is, have you received that gift? God's timing is perfect. And today may be the day when he calls your name. Would you receive him, place your trust in him? But Advent reminds us that we are still waiting. We're waiting for his second coming. And and the beauty and the fullness of time that God has created in the first coming should give us all the confidence to wait for his second. We can trust his timing because we've seen it and we've experienced it. And we've been waiting now for 2,000 years. Is God late? Has he fallen asleep? Does he no longer care? I mean, is God watching the news? Is he aware of the struggles and the difficulties? Even now we would pray and cry, come Lord Jesus, come and set things right. But when we recognize what Jesus has done or what God did in the fullness of time by sending Jesus, it lets us rest in the moment to know and with full assurity that in the perfect time, not early, not late, he will come again. Don't let your circumstances today shake you from the surety of his promise. He has promised it. He will be faithful to do it. God's timing is perfect. And therefore, God's timing in my life is perfect. So what are we to do when we wait? Knowing that God often does his best work in the waiting times, how are we to wait? I want to give us just a couple of encouragements today. How do we wait? We wait well. The goal and the passion of our lives as we await his second coming and as we may await the desire to see God move and work in our family, in our friends, in our spheres of influence, we wait and we wait well. First thing we do is we worship in the wait. To worship him recognizes that we are trusting him for what he has called and told us he's going to do. So we respond with all of our life and trust that he's the one who's working. I encourage you in this season of Advent and celebration, in the hecticness of of everything else, don't miss the beauty of worship. Yes, collectively, together, communally, as we come together and sing and declare and and, and around his word, absolutely. But more than that, in your private worship as well. In your family, gather your family around. Do you pray with your spouse? Do you have prayer lists of things you're waiting for God to do together? Do you pray with your family that, that your kids would know, hey, we're waiting for God to do this. We can't do it, but we're asking him, we're encouraging, we're, 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 We're encouraged by his faithfulness in the past. We're asking him to accomplish these things. And then we stand and we sing of his faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness to us, O Lord. Sing with your kids and your family the beauty of the hope of what God did in sending Jesus the first time so that when we are faced with a question of will he continue to be faithful in the waiting, we can stand and say, yes, we have full confidence he will. Second thing we do is we work in the wait while we're waiting. We know that God has called us to obedience, not out of a 
to be a slave master under the law, but now out of love and a compassion for others and what he has done for us. So we want to be obedient to know God, to help others know him as well. So what has God already told us to do that we need to be doing while we're waiting? Let's do those things. So many times in my life, I'm like, God, if you're not going to come through there, I'm just going to sit here and, and wait till it happens. But no, if, if we have a full confidence in the fullness of time, Christ came that in the fullness of time, he'll be faithful. Then we, we work in the wait. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a gift that's been given to you for the encouragement of the body of Christ. And our task is that we work together for the advancement of the kingdom in this place and in our spheres of influence. So are you working faithfully? Are you using that gift? Today, I got to walk through the preschool and the, the children's area and high five and encourage those that are using their gift for the younger generation to see them come to, to a faith in Christ, to see them grow, and then to help us advance the kingdom of God. That is working in the weight. Throughout the week, so many of you are serving, working, using your gifts in this place and also in your neighborhood and in your work, your place of influence. Thank you for working in the way. That's our task, to be faithful in the process. While we pray, while we wait, while we seek. We worship in the wait, we work in the wait, and the last thing, we rest in the wait. Rest here meaning another word for trust. We're resting knowing God will be faithful. He has been faithful in the past and we can rest that his timing is perfect in his faithfulness in my life as well. I just, I kind of think that my impatience is not gonna do one thing to hurry God up. That my anxiety or struggle or my having it out with him, telling him my displeasure in not accomplishing what I'm asking him to accomplish is going to worry him or cause him to speed up. But it's the recognition that even as we see in Jesus's life and birth, God working behind the scenes, maybe when I don't see it, I still have faith that he's working that he's moving, that he's causing things to grow and to accomplish his good purpose, which allows me to rest even when I'm struggling in waiting. Philip Nation, he, he uh, wrote an article for Lifeway about rest and he, he put it in a neat way that I've just always remembered. He said this, resting in him is enjoying God without an agenda. Without an agenda. When we rest in him, we're we're enthralled by our relationship with him more than what we want him to accomplish. Now, we need to cast our cares on him. He's called us to do so. We, we come to him with our struggles and asking him to do things that we cannot do. And those things are important as we, we do so. But in the moment, let us not forget that the goal and the joy of the Christian life, the goal and the joy of what we celebrate in Advent is that God came to dwell with us. He came to make a way for relationship with us. And so to rest in the way it says, more than what I want you to accomplish, God, I want you, God. I'll take you and I'll wait well, resting that in your timing, you can work it out. God doesn't provide us a countdown calendar. Whatever you're waiting for, 
Sure, it would be nice that every day I would see progress toward that point. But it does not mean that there is not progress. It does not mean that God's not working in a powerful way. So as we celebrate Advent, Advent teaches us that God's timing is perfect. And because God's timing is perfect, God's timing in my life is perfect. So we wait well. We wait, we worship, we work, we rest. Knowing that in his perfect timing, he will accomplish it. Would you bow your heads? Father, we are so grateful for this season. And in the midst of hecticness and celebrations and fun, Lord, in this moment, may you draw us to the incredible beauty of the miracle of the moment of Jesus. That your timing is perfect. So I pray that 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 thought would just overflow into a worship of understanding that, that the dwelling of God has come. And then Lord, I pray for everything in this room that we're waiting. We're praying, we're asking you to move and work. That Lord, we would rest well knowing you're working behind the scenes. Or draw our attention to the, the future day, the, the soon coming King. And help us, help us to wait with a passion and an integrity and a desire to see the nations come to know Christ and to see the neighbors come to know Christ. Lord, I pray today if there's one here who has not placed their faith and trust in Jesus, that they would recognize that today is the moment, the miracle of the moment for redemption and adoption into the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In this time of response, it's a time for you now to respond how the Lord's spoken to you. The altar's here. I'll be down here, Matt will be down here. You need to pray with someone to be encouraged. You need to trust Jesus as your savior and that's the call of God. I would encourage you, even as we sing, come, we'd love to encourage you in that. You do what the Lord's calling you to do. Would you stand? Let's respond.